Over the last few weeks, the middle part of the Orioles' bullpen has showed it might need some help here sometime soon. So could the O's go and trade for a reliever at this year's deadline? Answer that question more coming up on another mailbag episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast. You are Locked On Orioles, your daily Baltimore Orioles podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, Orioles fans. Today is Friday, June 23rd, 2023, and welcome back in to the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I'm your host, Connor Newcomb. And coming up on today's episode, we are opening up the mailbag once again. Six more mailbag questions all coming from you, the listeners, that we're going to get to today, talking about could the Orioles add a reliever? At the deadline, the best moment of the Orioles' season so far. Would the O's trade minor leaguers or big leaguers if they had the choice? And much, much more. Plus, we will preview the upcoming series this weekend between the O's and the Mariners. But that's all coming up on this episode of the Locked on Orioles podcast, which is brought to you by Bird Dogs. Go to birddogs.com slash locked on MLB, and when you get an amazing pair, of their shorts or pants, they'll throw in a free custom Bird Dogs Yeti-style tumbler with every order. So today we are jumping into a mailbag episode of the podcast. Did a mailbag on Tuesday's episode, answered nine questions. Got a lot of good questions, though, for that mailbag, and I'm going to dive into six more here on the pod with the Orioles having the off day on Thursday before they come back home to host the Mariners coming up tonight. So six questions, all from you, the listeners. And let's start with a question from William over email. And a similar question came from Joey on Twitter as well as they ask, what are the odds that the Orioles trade for a reliever by this year's trade deadline? And this is a question that's been coming up a lot more over the past few weeks because we saw it last year. We saw it through most of this season. The Orioles bullpen being the strength of this team. And they still have undoubtedly a top 10 bullpen in Major League Baseball right now. But if you really look at the bullpen, it's kind of top-heavy. Or I guess more accurately would be to say it's kind of back-end-heavy. Felix Bautista is the best reliever in baseball right now, full stop. And Yenye Cano is easily a top-10 reliever in baseball. And at one point, he was the best reliever in baseball. So you got two of the top-10 guys. And Danny Coulomb has been mostly on. He's been very, very good. One of the best pitchers in all of baseball at limiting hard contact. Those three are getting most of the key outs for the Orioles. And it's sometimes this year Mike Bauman was in that group. And it's sometimes this year Brian Baker was in that group. And you had some other guys who were pitching well. But right now a lot of those guys are struggling for the Orioles. Especially in middle relief. And, and you really saw it in the win, that, the win that they held on to on Tuesday night at the Trop. The O's need some help there. And now for most of the season, we kept saying, well, once Michael Givens and Dylan Tate get back, they are going to give the middle part of this bullpen the kind of veteran, successful presence that it needs. For a while there, we were saying, where are the O's even going to fit Givens and Tate? The bullpen has been so good. Then for a while, we said, okay, they could use Givens and Tate, but they're not going to totally rely on them. Now we're kind of at the point where they need them the most. They need Givens and Tate, at least a healthy version of those two, more than they ever have. But I am not confident in either of those pitchers right now. Now, both of them did pitch in the Norfolk Tides game on Wednesday on rehab. Tate gave up a run, got a couple of strikeouts, Givens threw a scoreless inning. They still don't look healthy to me. They just don't. And I, I can't get myself to trust them or rely on them 
to come in and help this bullpen. So when initially they would have been kind of those midseason additions, you know, two of the most reliable guys you would have on this roster, now I'm not so sure. So I would say there's a pretty solid chance to answer the question that the Orioles do go add a middle reliever at the deadline, especially if they feel, even if Givens and Tate come back, if they feel they are still not their old selves, even if they're pitching productively enough to stay in the big league bullpen. They've got some in-house guys, talked on Monday about some of the relievers in AAA that the Orioles could turn to at some point. They've already brought up Logan Gillespie once again this week, though he had a rough outing on Wednesday. There's some trade options out there. I've mentioned Carlos Hernandez of the Kansas City Royals already. I want him badly. Scott Barlow is another guy. He's the Royals' closer right now. A 4.05 ERA for the right-hander, but 12.5 strikeouts per nine. He signed through 2024, so you would get a year and a half out of him. Joe Kelly is another name who's been pitching in a lot of different roles with the White Sox. Kelly's been around for a long, long time. Yes, he has a 4.37 ERA, but 12 strikeouts per nine. He does have a $9 million team option for 2024, which means he's pretty cheap if you get him here and he pitches well to bring him back for another season. Jordan Hicks is a guy they could be looking at. He is a rental but the Cardinals are going to be selling. And Hicks, who was a disaster early this year, has kind of brought things back together recently. And actually, the Cardinals have given him back the closer role, still throwing a 104-mile-per-hour sinker, still striking out 14 guys per nine, still walking six guys per nine, but the walks have been down and the effectiveness has been up over the past few weeks for Hicks. So maybe he's a guy. And there's dozens of other potential trade candidates in terms of relievers that are out there. I'm sure the O's would probably like to get a guy with some control, but... I can see him doing it because you just can't rely on Givens and Tate right now. And the guys that are actually in the bullpen right now are concerning me a little bit as well. Second question comes from Jody via email who asks, why do most teams wait until trade deadline day? Or at least, you know, the week leading up to the trade deadline to actually make the deals. Jody kind of continued on the email about how, you know, it could make sense for more teams to sell right away. You know, some of the teams who already know here on June 23rd, you know, five weeks away from the deadline that they're out of it. Or teams that know they need to upgrade now. Why don't they be more proactive? I think one of the big things is the cost, right? You know, if you wait until that August 1st, August 2nd trade deadline, players are going to cost a little bit less. Because if you trade for them right now, that's an extra month you have to pay for, especially if it's a rental player, of that player's services. And the longer you wait, they get a little bit cheaper because you're getting less time of them on your team. So from a buyer's perspective, that's one of the reasons. It's kind of been the reason for the entirety of how long the trade deadline has existed. Now, there's been trades every year that happen around this time. We haven't really seen one yet, but generally they wait until the deadline until things get going. The other thing is, this is on both the buyer's and the seller side. Now, for some certain teams that Jody brought up, the Nationals, the Royals, the Athletics, you know, some of these teams that are clearly out of it at this point, yeah, it would make sense for them to start selling their players now because for giving them up for an extra month, on the seller side, they can get more back in a trade like that. But in reality, most of these other teams are in the race right now. And especially when you look at the central divisions. If you just looked at the records of the teams in the central divisions, the entire AL Central is under 500. Three of the five in the NL Central are under 500. You're looking at out of the 10 teams in the central divisions, you're looking at in a normal year, I feel like at least six teams that would be sellers, maybe seven. Instead, you've got 
I would argue right now the only team that's a stone-cold lock to be a seller is the Kansas City Royals because they've just been so bad. Everybody else is within like eight games of first place, and most of them are within four or five games of first place because those divisions are so bad. So that's what's delaying it this year, is those teams that would usually be sellers because they're eight games under 500 right now and going nowhere are still in the divisional race because divisions are so bad. And also just teams don't want to commit to being a buyer or a seller this early. They want to give themselves as much time right up until that deadline day to figure out, okay, what is our team really like? You get a larger sample size if you wait you know, a whole nother month from now of data to see, should my team be a buyer? Should we be a seller? Should we be somewhere in between? Those are kind of the reasons why those deals wait until the last minute. Next question comes from Vance via email who asks, kind of a lighthearted one, what's been your favorite Orioles game so far this year? Vance mentioned the Ryan Mountcastle 9 RBI game against the Athletics back in April. I'm going to take May 20th, Orioles at Blue Jays. It was a 6-5 to win for the O's in 10 innings. That's the game where I just felt like two things. One, this Orioles team is different. And two, this Orioles team is deeper than we ever thought. That was the game where the Orioles trailed 5-2 to two going into the eighth inning. They got two on with two out, and the Blue Jays went to their lockdown closer, Jordan Romano, to get a four-out save. And the Orioles brought Ryan O'Hearn up to the plate, who had kind of been up and down in AAA in the majors with the O's at that point. It had no success with the Royals. They had DFA'd him. He was kind of just here because the O's needed an extra bench bat. And he came up and delivered a game-tying three-run homer. Out of nowhere, against Jordan Romano, the Orioles would take the lead in the 10th. Felix Bautista closed it down with some big strikeouts, and the Orioles won that game and went on to sweep that series. I just feel like that was the start of the Ryan O'Hearn resurgence and the start of really showing this O's team like they swept that weekend. They got a huge win. They are for reals, and they can win a lot of different ways. We got three more mailbag questions to get to here on the pod coming up next. Talk about whether the O's are more likely to trade prospects or current big leaguers, if the O's could maybe pursue a bat at the trade deadline, and then what the O's may do with Anthony Santander with his free agency pending just a year and a half away. But first, this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. Baseball season, it's in full swing, and there is no better place to get in on the action than FanDuel. America's number one sportsbook. Because right now, new customers get a no-sweat first bet, up to $1,000. That's up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Just go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to join today. Now, right now, you know, it's, it's sometimes tough to bet baseball day-to-day. The FanDuel app still makes it easy, but I'm looking for more futures in baseball. And I know they've been a disaster, and they should be a seller at the deadline. But with how bad that division is, with how everybody's on the Cincinnati Reds right now, the Brewers are shaky, the Pirates are falling back down to earth, the Cubs are a 500 team at best, and I think the Reds' magic's going to run out at some point. They just don't have enough pitching. I think a futures bet on the Cardinals to win the NL Central, because they've got by far the most talent of any team in that division, could have a pretty big payout in a couple of months. But don't miss your chance to snag a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 when you join FanDuel today. Just go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to sign up. FanDuel, official partner of Major League Baseball. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. So we're back here on a mailbag episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast. Three more questions to get to 
all from you, the listeners. And this next one comes here from a couple different people on Twitter and on YouTube. Had like six or seven people ask kind of the same version of this question. So I kind of put it all into one. Are the Orioles more likely to trade prospects and only prospects or throw in a couple of their current big leaguers or at least guys currently on the 40-man roster when they try to acquire talent at the deadline this year? Now, the short answer to this question is I still think prospects are most likely for a couple of reasons. One, the Orioles have a very deep farm system, especially when it comes to hitters, and they still have, at most places, ranked the number one farm system in all of baseball. they got a lot of hitters they can trade away. And the other reason is, with all those hitters, especially with guys who are creeping up to double-A AA and triple-A, and a lot of guys in triple-A right now who you could argue are big league ready, they just don't have space to put all these guys on the roster. And down the line, as the years go on, and the guys at double-A move up, and high-A and low-A, and all that move up, and you got a new draft class that'll be coming in in less than a month, you're just not going to have room for all these guys to play every day in the minors and to get at-bats at the big league level. So for those two reasons, I think it's much more likely that they trade from the minor leagues. But what I will say is there are a few guys who are kind of on the 40-man slash in the big leagues that could make sense. The two that we talked about a lot this offseason were Jorge Mateo and Ramon Arias. Both infielders coming off pretty solid 2022s, have a lot of team control left, had a lot of value defensively. You know, Arias won a gold glove. Mateo should have won a gold glove. And they're both still playing a good amount. Arias has obviously been much better than Mateo has, especially since the start of May when Mateo's kind of been a disaster at the plate, but he still has value base running and defense. He's just, you know, got to get himself on base. And Arias has his flaws too. He's not a, you know, star everyday player, but he's a good baseball player in the major leagues. And the O's have guys like Henderson, Ortiz, Westberg, eventually Connor Norby and others who are kind of going to be ready to replace those guys. And you could argue the Westbergs, the definitely the Hendersons, the Ortiz's of the world could outproduce them right now, especially in the Mateo case when he's really struggled at the plate. So I could see a Mateo, if he builds up a little more value, being involved in a trade, maybe not the main piece, but involved in a trade. And Arias being involved in a trade. I had heard that the Orioles were shopping Ramon Arias a little bit this offseason. There were some Ramon Arias talks with the Mets trying to get one of their pitchers back the other direction. A Kyle Stowers, if he gets healthy. I mean, he's been on the injured list for almost a month now, it seems, with that shoulder inflammation. So hopefully all is good with Stowers. But if he comes back, starts to hit in the minors again, maybe comes back to Baltimore at some point, he could be an option because it seems like he's kind of getting squeezed out as, you know, Hicks is playing well, Mullen's coming back soon. You know, you got Kowser super close to the big leagues and now Kerstad in AAA. So those are some of the guys I could see it happening with, you know, to sweeten the pot, maybe throwing those guys in there. And, you know, maybe it's even like a Drew Rahm situation or someone would want a Bruce Zimmerman, you know, that you could throw into a deal if you're getting a pitcher back to say, all right, we'll give you a guy who can at least pitch you some innings at the major league level this year. That could happen as well. I could certainly see it happening. Just think the prospects more likely at this point. But speaking of trading away players currently on the active roster, Next question comes from Nigel on Twitter, who asks, should the Orioles trade Anthony Santander? And this is an interesting question, because this is something that I've talked about a lot on the podcast, that's been brought up a lot over the last few years on the podcast, because as Santander continues to play more and more, gaining, losing value, his defense goes up and down, his power goes up and down, the bat in and out, you just always felt like he's never like the long-term piece in the outfield. You know, the ceiling was higher for guys like Kowser and Kerstad and those guys coming up the system. And you liked Mullins more and maybe you liked Hayes more. 
it's very interesting, the Santander situation. I had said for a while, I'll wear that one, that I was pro-trading Anthony Santander. I just thought he didn't quite fit into the roster anymore. And I thought after a good season, maybe they would deal him away. And the Orioles, you know, you'd heard they'd had a little bit of talks at last year's trade deadline about dealing him after they had traded away Mancini and Jorge Lopez, but deal never came through and he helped the Orioles down the stretch. And Santander has helped the Orioles this year in about 300 plate appearances in the big leagues this year, 260 average, you know, 328 on base, 468 slugging, 11 homers near the top of the team, 119 WRC+. plus. He does have a career best 8.8% walk rate this year. Also has a career worst 23.6% strikeout rate so far this year, but he's an important middle-of-the-order bat for the Orioles right now. And in terms of this deadline, I would say no. I would switch my answer to no. They should not trade Anthony Santander. I think he's too important to the middle of the Orioles order right now. Too much of a power threat, especially from the left side, which the Orioles need. They don't, you know, Ryan O'Hearn's doing his best and Aaron Hicks, but the Orioles don't have that kind of key threat power-wise from the left side, especially Camden Yards, where the power plays well for left-handed batters. They need Anthony Santander to be that. Maybe Colton Kowser can come up and be that. Maybe Heston Kerstad soon can be that. But right now, they need it from Santander. And Kowser should be up soon. He's been dominating AAA. If he plays his way into at-bats, he will play. If he's hitting well enough and showing he can impact the game at the major league level, even with Santander on the roster, they will find a way to get Kowser into the lineup. So it's not like he's really blocking guys as well. He's a productive, you know, 20% better than league average major league hitter who, yeah, the defense is shaky, but he's even becoming more and more of a DH slash first baseman these days for the O's. Still playing right field, but a little bit less of it because it's, it's a little shaky to watch out there. And especially when Cedric Mullins gets back here soon, you might see more Hayes in left, Mullins in center, Hicks in right, Santander DHing slash playing first base. But I just think you could revisit it in the offseason because he is a free agent after 2024. You know, he only has one more year with the Orioles, and I really don't see them extending him. So I think they'll really think long and hard about dealing him away this offseason, especially if they feel like Kowser is ready to take over at the start of next season full time. But that's a different conversation. I think for right now, for this deadline, Got to hold on to Santander. He helps you win ball games. And the sixth and final mailbag question I'll get to today comes from Rich on Twitter who asks, if the O's added a bat at the, at the deadline, what position would they target? Now, I'm going to start this answer by saying I don't think the Orioles are going to go after a bat at this year's deadline. I think they'll target a starting pitcher. And as I talked about earlier, I think they're going to target a reliever as well. I just think with the offense playing as well, it's been, it's been a top 10 offense in baseball. Most of the year, you're going to get Mullins back soon. You're going to get Mountcastle back soon and hopefully, you know, get the Vertigo thing figured out a little bit. He's going to be back closer to the Ryan Mountcastle we know and love. You got Ryan O'Hearn doing his thing. You got Aaron Hicks doing his thing. And you got reinforcements that you can bring up from AAA. Colton Kowser's ready. Jordan Westberg's ready. They're both down there in AAA. And Joey Ortiz, he's in the bigs, not playing much, but he's also ready too. And you can insert him more and more into the lineup. Those guys are going to be ready to be reinforcements. I don't think they'll really go get a bat unless there's a really key injury that happens to one of their main starters. But if they did, maybe third base you could see happening if they want to kind of upgrade over Arias. They want to move Henderson to shortstop full-time, go get kind of a bigger bat to play third base. I could see that. Maybe a second baseman as well if it's really not working out for Adam Frazier and Arias. They want to go get somebody. And the last guy would be maybe an outfielder if they feel they can't quite trust Colton Kowser yet. And then Aaron Hicks cools off at some point. I could see an outfielder as well. But again, don't really see them going after a bat at this year's deadline. 
But that'll do it for the mailbag portion of today's episode. Thank you so much for sending in your questions. Again, you can email your mailbag questions to LockedOnOrioles at gmail.com. Tweet us at LockedOnOrioles or leave them right here in the YouTube comment section. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe to the Locked on Orioles podcast on YouTube. We'll answer those questions on future mailbag episodes. But we still got a little more to get to on today's pod. Orioles Mariners series this weekend. We preview it. Coming up next. So the Orioles will host the Mariners for a three-game weekend series coming up at Oriole Park at Camden Yards this weekend. Starting up for the Orioles, a nice little homestand here. You know, they've been pretty even on the year, basically identical records both at home and on the road. But it's also just always nice to come home, and they have got a nine-game homestand coming up here against Seattle, Cincinnati, and Minnesota. But it starts with the Seattle Mariners, Friday at 7.05, Saturday at 4.05, and Sunday at 1.35. And you can catch every pitch of the hometown Orioles radio broadcast of all three games of this series this weekend with SiriusXM on the SXM app. Just search Orioles. But whether you're catching every pitch on the radio, watching on TV, following along on the apps, it's O's and Mariners this weekend. I want to preview the series before we get you into the weekend. And let's start with the Friday game. It's Logan Gilbert, the right-hander who will go for the Mariners, has a 4.31 ERA for the M's in 14 starts this year. Really doesn't walk a lot of guys. His last start, though, against the White Sox. Five and a third innings, two runs, three Ks, but a season-high three walks his last time out there. Gilbert has allowed five-plus earned runs also in two of his last four starts. And he's walked five batters in his three starts in June. Now, that doesn't seem like a lot, but he walked only six batters total in six starts in May. So the command getting away from Gilbert a little bit here, kind of a big, like, fastball, then overhand 12-6 curveball guy. He'll go up against the O's veteran, Kyle Gibson, who is going to get the ball Friday. The Orioles pushing back Cole Irvin because the off day is Monday and Thursday this week, and they're going to go with Gibson. Then the Saturday game is a 4-0-5 start. It is the rookie 24-year-old right-hander Bryce Miller who will get the ball for Seattle. He has a 3.68 ERA in nine starts this season. This Seattle pitching staff, they just don't walk, guys. Miller has walked only eight batters in 51 innings of work so far this season. His last four starts, though, have been a roller coaster. In Miller's last two starts, he's allowed just two runs over 13 innings, struck out 12, and walked three. In the two starts before that, he allowed 15 earned runs in just seven total innings. Hopefully the O's will face that version and not the very recent version of Bryce Miller. He'll go up against Dean Kramer, who again was moved up a day because of the off days and still able to pitch on regular rest. Actually still pitching on extended rest. That's how many off days the O's have had recently. Then the Sunday game is at 135. It's another right-hander for the Mariners. Three righties in a row. And it's George Kirby who's getting the start in that one. A 3-2-9 ERA in 14 starts this season. You want to talk about guys who don't walk anybody? Kirby is the number one poster child of a guy who doesn't walk anyone for the Mariners. He's pitched 88 innings this year. George Kirby has walked six batters. Let me say that again. Six batters in 88 innings. Zero walks over his last four starts for George Kirby who in his last two starts has been masterful. 13 innings, three runs, 14 Ks, and no walks over those last two outings for Kirby. But the Orioles did rough him up. The one time they faced him last year in Seattle, 
They got seven runs off him in four innings and hit four home runs against Kirby in that start. The Orioles starter is still TBD. It'll be one of two people. It could be Kyle Bradish because he would be on regular rest after starting Tuesday, or it could be Cole Irvin, who did pitch one inning of relief on Wednesday against the Rays. Brandon Hyde said he just wanted to get him some work in a game and said he is still in line to start, quote, one of the next few days. Well, it's not Friday. It's not Saturday. His original spot would have been Friday. It could be Sunday and then Bradish Monday, or if it's Bradish Sunday, Irvin could pitch Monday or Tuesday or couldn't start again. They could maybe call up Grayson Rodriguez at some point, but either Cole Irvin or Kyle Bradish for the Sunday game. Now, in terms of what the Mariners look like right now, currently as constructed, this is not the team that won 90 plus games, broke the, broke the playoff drought last year and got to the ALDS. This is a team that's kind of struggling right now. 35 and 37 as I speak here on Thursday evening. They are currently in action in the final game of their series at Yankee Stadium. They've lost the first two games of that series trying to avoid the sweep. 14 and 20 on the road this season are the Mariners, just 8 and 14 in one-run games. They've really struggled in things that they did really well in in 2022 and the big struggle has been their offense. Seattle has just a team WRC plus of 96. They are 20th in baseball in that category and the one that's been really bad a 226 team average for the seattle mariners that is 29th in baseball only the lowly oakland athletics have a worse team batting average than the mariners this year they also strike out 26 percent of the time that's also 29th in all of baseball it's been rough to watch them hit this season jared kelnick's kind of been the lone bright spot finally figuring it out with a 125 wrc plus Jose Caballero's been all right, kind of as a part-time player. He's kind of been there, Ryan O'Hearn. He's he's really helped the lineup at times just to win any games. Ty France has been solid again, but I mean, Julio Rodriguez has a 104 WRC+. plus. He's been barely above a league average hitter this year. A lot of the guys they've trusted have been pretty bad this season. So the offense has been rough. Now the pitching is what is keeping Seattle afloat this season. I mentioned the three starters this weekend, Gilbert, Miller, and Kirby. They've all been great. Of course, they got Luis Castillo to go along with that. The bullpen's been really good, too. Seattle has a 3.52 bullpen ERA. That is fourth in all of baseball. They get a lot of strikeouts as well. Matt Brash comes in and strikes out everybody in middle relief. Also has some walk issues. Paul Seawald is nasty in the back end. They've gotten a lot out of guys like Justin Topa and Trevor Gott, who they didn't really expect to get things out of. They've kind of been like the Danny Coulomb versions for the Orioles where you just and, and Yenye Cano you just never thought you'd get that much out of those guys their bullpen is very similar to Baltimore's their rotation is better but their offense much much worse I'd say advantage Orioles for this series and the hope is for the O's get two out of three at home against kind of a reeling Seattle team and then I'll be back with you on Monday we will recap the entire weekend series between the Orioles and the Mariners and uh talk about hopefully what will be an O's series win but that's all coming up on Monday's episode until then I'm Connor Newcomb and this has been the Locked On Orioles podcast part of the Locked On Podcast Network your team every day is your wallet a little lighter than usual after the holiday season consider it money well spent because you deserve to live your best life and the Chime Checking Account wants to help you live yours to the fullest. 
A little extra money goes a long way, which is why the Chime checking account has tons of benefits that millions of members love, like fee-free overdraft up to $200 for eligible members, no monthly fees, and access to over 60,000 easy-to-find and fee-free ATMs. You even get paid up to two days early with direct deposit, all while managing your money on the go, including sending and receiving money fee-free with friends that aren't even on Chime. Sign up for Chime today for you and your wallet. Get started at Chime.com slash Goals24. That's Chime.com slash Goals24. Banking services and debit card provided by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. members FDIC. Spot me eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply. Access to direct deposits up to two days early depends on the timing of the submission of the payment file from the payer. Out-of-network ATM withdrawal fees may apply.